Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischler, Associate Editor at Reader Views, filling in for Irene Watson. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 158 in our series. Tonight's topic will be Platforms and the Digital Revolution with special guest Robert Hughes. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we are on the line with Robert J. Hughes, who's a writer currently living uh, in between New York and Paris. He was a longtime arts reporter for the Wall Street Journal, where he wrote about theater, classical and popular music, books and television, as well as philanthropy and fine arts, including auction markets. He is the author of the novel Late and Soon, which Edmund White praised for its Jamesian subtlety. His new novel, The Rectory, will be published soon. He is currently at work on a book about his life in France. Well, good evening, Robert. Good evening. Hi, Robert. Um, we wanted to talk about platforms tonight, uh, to start off anyway. And um, that, that's a question I know at Reader Views that we get all the time. If we, if we ask authors about what their platform is, we often get back kind of like blank stares. Um, so people don't even really necessarily always know what that is. Can you maybe just start out by giving us a little bit of a definition of what a platform is? Sure. Uh, a platform is something you use to get noticed. It's your website, perhaps. It's your blog. Uh, if you are a television personality, it's, it's your show. Uh, consider, for example, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, when she was the uh, leading daytime talk show host, her platform was enormous. She could make or break careers. Uh, she helped establish people such as uh, her nutritionist, her chef, uh, designer, Nate Berkus, uh, even Rachel Ray uh, got a lot of attention from her. And uh, when she chose a book to be noticed for her book club, it became an instant bestseller. Uh, Oprah's platform, that is to say her website, her magazine, her television show, her personality, in fact, and her, her reach were enormous. Uh, today, most people would consider a platform an author website through which an author can engage with his or her audience. And by engage, I mean have a conversation uh, through blogging or through newsletters or through commenting on other people's blogs. And this way you draw your reader in, and that reader can become a customer of your books and perhaps a customer of, of you yourself if you are the kind of writer who has something to say in the nonfiction sphere and who wants to write about a business project you're on. So a platform is a way to help spread your message beyond your, beyond your book. It's a way for you to publicize yourself, but it's also a way to start a conversation with an audience because a platform is uh, your kind of bandstand, but also it's your digital telephone where you can engage with people who visit your site and help uh, continue a dialogue with them. Okay, so um, what about, like, well, Oprah's a great example, but she's, of course, very famous. So how about an author who's just getting started? Like, um, for for example, yourself, when you published your novel late and soon, what what would you say was your platform at that point? And did you, My platform how, at how the time... How did you use your platform? Well, well, at the time, I had a website. Uh, 
And, but I was also a reporter at the Wall Street Journal when it was published. So for me, my platform happened to tie in uh, to the work I was doing. Uh, so it was written up in the paper. And uh, I was able to uh, speak at various bookstores as a result of uh, my being a reporter. I was lucky in, in that I already was attached to a large platform such as the Wall Street Journal at that time. If I were to start out now, uh, again, I, I would – and for fiction writers, it's a little more difficult because uh, uh, the blogging is more conducive perhaps to uh, an ancillary role for a fiction writer. That is, you can comment on other things other than – your own novel. Uh, but if you're a nonfiction writer, you use your website to help uh, start a conversation with people. But I'll give you an example of uh, someone I know who, who used a platform to help not only write her book, but build an audience for her book. Her name is Gretchen Rubin. She had, uh, and she has had for the last year and a half or so, a very big bestseller called The, the Happiness Project. And in this book, Gretchen uh, has given her gave herself a year uh, to try to do different things that would make her and her family happy, changing an attitude, taking an action, uh, 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 engaging with people in a different way. She used a lot of references that she'd read about, some philosophers she'd studied, and she blogged about these things on her website. Before the book was published, in fact, she started her blog about a year and a half earlier, and it was a, it was a few times a week, she would blog about something she did that happened to change something in her life, even in a small way. And little by little, her, her page views got uh, bigger and bigger, and she was able to build a sizable audience to the point where when the book was published a couple of years ago, it became an instant bestseller. In fact, it's still on the paperback bestseller list. And audiences not only uh, flocked to... Uh, to read her book, which she had written about extensively in her blog, but they also showed up in uh, in crowds for her readings. In fact, the publisher uh, of HarperCollins, which had published her, her book, told me that it was astonishing to see how many people had taken her to heart just by engaging with her platform and then uh, by finding even more to deal with with her book. So she used her blog, she used commenting on other people's blogs and other people's websites to help build an audience for her own book. And uh, it was a great success and continues to be. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense as far as, as far as reaching your, your readers. But um, what about in terms of just even finding a publisher or getting a bookstore to carry your books? Like, do, you, do you need to have a platform prepared just, just to find a publisher? Well, you should always have a platform in this in this digital age because people find each other online now. It's just the nature of communication today. Uh, even though uh, there are some authors of uh, best-selling books who who don't have active websites, they're they're usually found through their publisher's website. But if you're just starting out, I would advise you to start a start a website just to have a place to call your own. And today, more and more publishers are looking at online sources to find writers. If you decide to self-publish, for instance, it's not the kiss of death any longer. It doesn't imply that you cannot find a publisher. It often implies that you decide to take things into your own hands. And more and more publishers are looking for uh, well-written, successful books that are self-published, and then agents and publishers are scouring the, the websites of Kindle or iBooks or uh, 
Barnes and Noble's Nook to to see something that hasn't been published by a traditional publisher, and and seeing if they can perhaps buy the rights to this book for another uh, platform. Great, um, you know, given that there are, depending on who you listen to, like two million blogs out there, what can you do to to build readership in a in a, in a way that's sustainable? Well, there's something called uh, the the uh, the the uh, the communication through blogging. You do a for every one blog post that you write, you make three comments on other people's blogs that relate somehow to your area of interest. Uh, and you make and these are authentic comments. You don't you don't say something like, "Well, I agree with you. Read my blog and find out more." No, what you do when you're making a comment is. Uh, you comment about the blog in an authentic and honest way because you are in, you want to engage in a conversation with people. But when, when you leave a comment on another person's website or blog site, that website asks for your name and the URL from where you're writing. So when the comment is posted, uh, your name becomes a live URL, which uh, won't link back to your blog post, but rather it should go back to the blog post uh, that you're trying to drive traffic to, like your own blog post. So for every blog post you write, you should write five social media uh, microblogs and put them out on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, and Reddit. Just a little thing saying, today I wrote about this and this and this, and then that'll help people see what you're writing about if, if for the subjects that interest them. And if they do Google, Google searches, you'll, you'll get noticed more and more. And if you comment on other people's blogs, people will be drawn to your own blogs. So in this way, uh, you, you're, you're building up uh, an audience of people who want to see in an organic way what you are, what you are saying. Your, your comments on, these, on other blogs and social media and bookmarking uh, should never be promotional. They should always be conversational. They're the beginning of a conversation about you, things that interest you and your reader. So it's a, it's a digital conversation, and, and you do it by looking at other blogs and searching the web for areas of interest. If you're a fiction writer, you look for other uh, blogs. If you're writing in a genre, you look for uh, blogs in those genres. Or if you're a so-called literary writer, you look for uh, websites that talk about uh, literature in a different way. And then you start engaging in that. In this way, you, you, you talk about something that the other writer has talked about in a way that brings people back to you. You are interested in this subject, so you are an authority and you talk about it. And this way people will want to see, well, that's interesting, and what, does, what do you have to say? And they'll, often, often as not, they'll link back to you. It's a gradual process that actually builds up steam as it goes along. Great. That sounds like an entirely doable thing. And I guess from the beginning when I've heard about platforms, it's all about uh, – making yourself an expert or known as an expert. Do you agree with that's pretty much the motivation? That, that is part of it, yes. But the fact is, if, you, if you're a, a nonfiction writer and you're writing on a subject, you become the expert. It's just the nature of having written a book. Uh, but also, you should own your subject. You, should, you might consider yourself an expert in whatever subject that most interests you. And therefore, if you start writing about it, you'll become known as the expert. It's just a natural thing that people look to the person who's actually written about something as an authority in the subject. And for platforms, it's a way of building your reputation and building the sense of expertise that you have about something for other people. 
this is an entirely legitimate way to talk about yourself. Yeah, that's great. Um, I just wanted to bring up, uh, in terms of fiction writers and blogging, Jennifer Cruzy, a romance writer, has uh, rabid numbers of followers, and she mainly writes about the process of writing itself. Like, she'll post a first draft, and then it'll actually be a scan with everything crossed out and, and what she changed on the second draft, and really minute detail about plotting and stuff. Well, see, that's a very interesting thing for a lot of aspiring writers to look at because she's published and she wants to engage people in the process, which also in, along the way gets her more readers. So she's being entirely transparent about what it takes to put a, put a piece of fiction together. And in, in, an, in another way, she's pulling in readers who love to see how it's made. And then they want to see the finished product. So it's a very dynamic process. Yeah, I think it probably, like you were saying about blogging, you want to you want to build up a conversation. And it sounds like that really would would be the thing. She'd be getting feedback from people. She'd be getting interaction, and she'd also be, um, in terms of the feedback, improving her own writing as a result. Yes, exactly. And often uh, uh, she might get comments from people who saying, "Well, I, I liked it when you did this to that." Uh, to this character or when this character did this, and she might take it under consideration. In fact, she might not have even thought about it. And another reason that she's putting this stuff up there is because she would like feedback. You don't put up your your unedited or your half-edited story and not expect somebody to take you up on it. So you're, you have to have both a thin skin and you have to have a willingness to have a kind of participatory uh, dialogue with your readers in order to, to do this kind of thing. And it's a great... It's a great thing to do if, if you're that kind of writer. And she obviously wants that feedback from her readers. And in a way, by doing this, she's building her readership, too. They feel, I, I'd say they feel part of the process, but they also feel that they're closer to her as a writer because she's, she's been open and honest with them about what she goes through. And that's important for, for people because, especially in the romance field, people have favorites and, and romance readers are very, very loyal and very, very voracious. They love to have as many books as possible uh, to download or read. Uh, there's often, uh, they often go through five or six a week. But other, other genres are like that too. It's unlikely perhaps that a mystery writer might, or a thriller writer might post everything because part of a thriller is, is the element of surprise. But still, I know of uh, some writers uh, who have posted things like, I'm having a problem with this area could somebody perhaps uh, who's an expert in this particular field give me uh, an idea of how somebody would go about doing this, how, uh, for instance, a policeman would handle this particular situation, and often this, this, this will draw elicit comments from readers. And without giving the plot away, the writer has helped and has also uh, brought his readers further into the process with him. Yeah, I think that's very true. I've, I've found even myself that I've had people make the point of writing me and telling me, you know, that there's a there's a there's a factual error or something on something that I wrote and and sometimes at first you think they just want to fight with you, but before you know it they're buying your book. So it it you know, the fact that you reply to them and you explain things is uh, I think just builds up conversation and really helps. Well, well think of it this way too. Um in any any time you're reading a work whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you're entering into a, uh, a conversation with an author. Usually the author is doing all of the talking, but you feel it's a very personal thing because it's you reading it to yourself unless you're reading aloud to other people. 
and you you feel a certain communion with the author. And if the author is open and engages with you, uh, if you approach that author about something, it opens up another door, uh, and and you feel even closer, perhaps. And I can I I can see why someone would buy after after having done that because uh, writing is a lonely business, and there are still a lot of writers who the last thing they want to do is meet their fans. But most the most people do want to meet the people who are who are either reading or whom they want to read their work. And so this is a good thing. Yeah, and uh, well, we were talking about um, the digital, being in the digital age here and blogging, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, you, you live in New York and in France, and is, does that make any difference in this, in this digital age? Can you, can you do it all due to the Internet without needing to be in New York or in, in one specific place to, to market your books and build your platform? Well, you don't, you don't have to be uh, in one place any longer. Uh, thanks to digital communications, you can, you can be anywhere and still be engaged with your audience. There are a lot of writers who live overseas who are uh, digitally uh, based in New York or based in Kansas or based in Oregon. It doesn't matter uh, because you are at the other end of a keyboard at the other end of an internet connection. You're there. Uh, it doesn't take two weeks for a piece of mail to reach an author this way. Uh, if somebody is commenting to you through your website, you can, you can answer immediately. Or if you are the kind of person who likes to do it once a day, somebody will get an answer the next day. If you're the kind of writer uh, who likes to engage with uh, his or her readers in that way. So it doesn't really matter where you are as long as you have a good internet connection. And if you're doing interviews, which I've, which I've done for uh, other part, kinds of work that I do, well, you have to just be aware of the time zone changes. And that's something you work with for the freedom of being able to work where, where you want. It's, it's, I, I would call it a trade-off, except that the, the chance to live abroad for a while and expand your cultural horizons is enormously uh, rewarding. And so the trade-off is only maybe perhaps going to bed a little later, and that's not really much of one. So you can do it anywhere, as long as you stick to your own schedule. And I think it's important for anybody uh, engaged in building a digital platform or to, to stick to a schedule of blogging at least three times a week, of, of being consistent with what you produce so that your readers who might come in once or twice a week uh, or even or more if they know that you're going to be posting more won't be disappointed. Uh, very often, I'm sure you've seen websites where the last blog is a, a couple of months ago or even the year before. And that's rather disappointing for someone who wants to engage with, a, with an author in a way that the author has opened the door to. Because if an author has a website, that means that author wants to engage or the reader thinks that author wants to engage, especially if the author has a blog. And if the blog isn't kept up to date at least once, twice, three times a week, then that can lead to a kind of... Uh, old drop-off in, in traffic to the site. So it's, part, uh, it's, not, it's not as if people who are building a digital platform are doing nothing they're, and just scanning the web all the time. What they're supposed to be doing is being engaged with their readers. And this takes some time. It takes, it takes setting up a schedule for yourself of not only when you do your writing to write your books and everything, or if you're going to be writing your book through your blog to write your blogs, it's also setting aside time to go onto other people's sites and comment, to respond to any comments you might get, to be very active in the maintenance of your platform, which is to say also your brand, because in a way, building a platform means that you're establishing a brand. And some people uh, think that it's a bad word to call an author a brand, but many authors uh, 
Nobel Prize authors like Toni Morrison, she's a brand, or Stephen King, the, who's an excellent writer, he's a brand. James Patterson is a brand. It's your brand because you're 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 a name people know, and there's a certain uh, quality that comes to mind when when your name is evoked, uh, and that's what you you want to surprise your reader. Certainly, you don't want to become known as someone who does the same thing all the time, perhaps, but you want to be you want to become known to people as someone they can look to for interesting content and maybe to take them places they're not used to and maybe to engage with them also because that's what you're out there for. What about um, in terms of a platform, the, the physical aspect of it? I mean, if, you're, if your readers are in New York and you're living in France... Um, it doesn't matter. You can get onto WordPress from anywhere in the world that has open Internet access or you can start a blog uh, on anything. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, you well, can just post you, your blog that way, right? But I mean, from a from a physical perspective, do you, does that mean that doing a book signing in a bookstore is not as is not a worthwhile endeavor like it used to be? Or, or well, going book signings in bookstores, bookstores, you probably know, are are much rarer than they used to be. And if someone is going on a book tour, well, that that author will go on a book tour, whether it's it's in France uh, or in the United States or in England. I mean, people will get on a plane. I mean, I'm. I'm here. I'm speaking to you from New York. But I'm going back to France in a in a few days, but I'll be back again. I don't have a book tour lined up, but if I did have a book tour, I'd come back and do it. But the thing is, most uh, book tours are not profit centers for authors or uh, publishers. Uh, there, are, in fact, more and more book tours are being done, and book book group uh, readings are being done digitally through Skype. People, authors are making appearances at book groups through. Uh, digital means rather than by showing up at local bookstores. There are still book events, of course. I'm not saying there's not. And a lot of people really like seeing the author in person, and that's probably not going away. Uh, but it's much less than it used to be. And a book tour is not an automatic guarantee. That's, an, that's almost for a lot of publishers an old-fashioned an old-fashioned thing. There, Even noted authors maybe only do two or three book appearances. Uh, and more and more bookstores are... <clears throat> Perhaps if independent bookstores are trying to create an event out of a, of a book signing, uh, Rainy Day Books in Kansas City, for instance, creates events where they sell tickets for an evening with the author. And so you buy to attend and you get the book and the author will, will be giving a speech or engage in a conversation at a, at a library rather than just the bookstore. So uh, if I were someplace else and, this, and I was asked to do this someplace, I would go. Because that's that's part of building a platform, uh, the, but the bulk of the platform doesn't have to be done by leaving anywhere. But if, if but if part of what you are doing involves going to see people, then you build that into your your schedule. Great. Uh, since we're talking about digital publishing, I guess we'd be remiss to ignore the ebook. And I'm as heavily invested as, as anyone in ebooks. In fact, uh, 55% of my sales is coming through ebooks. But I worry about the race to the bottom and the fact that ebook prices seem to be falling every year, and there's more and more pressure to have giveaways of of your stuff. What do you think about that? Well, um, most authors have found that ebooks, if they're priced lower, sell sell better. Uh, most publishers are trying to make up for lost paper sales by uh, pricing ebooks higher than most readers are comfortable with. But uh, for the for the bookseller who's selling ebooks, that's a that's another story. Uh, it depends on what the market will bear. Uh, I, I can't speak to what an ebook should cost because for uh, a 
lot of publishers, the ebook is is it takes less to produce, although a lot of the overhead remains the same, such as editing. Uh, but you don't have to pay for paper. But you still do have to format an ebook uh, to to be used on various platforms for, for Nook, for the Kindle, and and for others. So, but I don't think they're going to get as expensive as hardcover books were before discounting took over. On the other hand, uh, I know an author who she she sells some of her old short stories at uh, uh, under ninety nine cents, and then gradually she'll raise the price to maybe a dollar, dollar fifty for a short story, or three ninety nine for a collection of a few short stories. So she's trying to just build an audience and not give her stuff away, but she wants to entice people with an offer. Often people are given the first chapter to see if they like it. Uh, I, I myself see nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, do, I don't know how you make, for a, for a big publisher or for a bookstore, how you make e-books economically feasible. That's beyond my ken. As a writer, I would just like to sell as many books uh, as possible to make a living. But uh, I don't know what, what the best price point is for that. Sure. It's sure. just a question I ask everyone. Uh, since you are in on two continents, I hear the biggest market for expansion will be uh, uh, books in general would be e-books read by English-speaking people overseas. Do you, do you see a lot of surge coming in the future? I do think that more people who are uh, English-speaking or English-reading uh, book lovers will be buying e-books in that way overseas because uh, I know that in France a lot of people still read in France a lot of people uh, French is a nation of uh, uh, readers and people read books the old-fashioned way that is buying them on paper but people who are overseas and posted overseas or who want to engage with uh, English language fiction or non-fiction are often more likely to buy it through uh, uh, an ebook than to wait for it to be published overseas or to have something shipped overseas that way. I do think that's a, a growing market. All right, Tyler. Well, I'm. I want to ask you too, um, Robert, since you you used to um, be the arts reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Um, if you could maybe just for a minute tell us a little bit about what what that entailed and um, since. Since I understand that you wrote about books, um, among uh, among besides theater and music and many other things, um, how do you think um, things have changed in terms of of how books are treated by by journalists and the kind of attention they get? And, and do you think that there's a there's a trend, um, an upward or a downward trend in, in in terms of like book reviews and how books? Well, are I think. For me, it was always uh, interesting to write about books because I love books, and a lot of journalists love books, and a lot of journalists are writing books. But that said, in many newspapers, uh, the space devoted to books is, is, has declined uh, tremendously. And in fact, most uh, newspapers have cut their book sections, which is a shame because what often set newspapers apart from each other in a local market would be the arts coverage and people who might get their local news through television would often turn to a newspaper to see what was going on in the arts, whether that was uh, theater or music or, or books. I think that's a shame, and I think that continues. Uh, I know that for me at the uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, books were uh, were important, and I, I did a, a, a story about summer reading every year and often looked for seasonal ways to do as much about books as I could. 
But often for a lot of the people, even at the journal, which has a literate audience, the editors felt that it needed books weren't sexy enough to sell. And that was just uh, the nature of the newspaper business often. Uh, but, but that said, the Wall Street Journal introduced its own book section. And so writing about books in terms of looking for trends is different than covering books in terms of reviewing them. There was always, there's always been book reviews at the journal. And, and in the New York Times, it continues that way, too. Uh, I always found it interesting to, to look to see what was, what was going on that was new in the book world. The challenge for me was every summer coming up with a trend and what kind of books were being published. And sometimes it was somewhat arbitrary because publishers weren't often looking for anything other than what interested them. And if there was a trend, it was just somewhat inadvertent. Nevertheless, I, I, I relished the, the chance to read a lot of books and to write about them in that way. Uh, I, I should hope that uh, uh, a lot of the uh, bloggers who have a lot of uh, uh, interest in books continue to do that. When I was at the recent Book XOX uh, in New York, which is a big industry convention that draws booksellers, uh, publishers, and journalists, as well as authors, uh, there were a lot of authors, and for the first time, there was a great deal of attention given to digital media. So what might be less evident in newspapers is, some, to some extent, uh, being taken up in the digital universe by people who are passionate about books and want to get word about it out to readers no matter what. Do you think that um, readers have changed in terms of um, whose advice they'll take I mean, now it seems like you can just go to Amazon and look up a book, and there's a hundred, a hundred reviews from everybody, you know, under the sun can post a can post a book review there. And Amazon has even um, apparently gone and, and removed s several book reviews from what I would consider to be more um, substantial or reliable book reviewers. And so. Do you, do you think that that's a that's a negative thing that that people would just go to Amazon now and see what what people? Are no, I think more people are relying on on what uh, Amazon um, comments say to decide maybe if they're if they're on the ledge about a book, but often they will just buy because they feel like it. Uh, most any book that gets a, a book review is considered good publicity. I mean, it, it's true with books. No no publicity is bad publicity for a book. Uh, the fact that most people don't remember if a book is reviewed well or badly, uh, if it's re if it's reviewed in a newspaper, except the author and the publisher. But the reader just says, "Oh, I saw that book in the paper. Maybe I'll get it." Or that that's a subject that interests me. And then they might look on Amazon and see what people said. And I think what Amazon tries to do is is see if people are getting their friends to post or or whatever. I don't know. I can't I can't uh, figure out what their algorithms are for that. But I do think that that's just the nature of it. For Amazon, it's a way of people saying, uh, what do you think of this book? Uh, I know that people always ask me, uh, what's, what's good uh, when, I was, when I was on the book beat that way? And this way, it's just, it's just another option for people. So, so do you think the digital age probably has, uh, if anything, helped, helped books, like in terms of spontaneous buying? You don't have to... I think I think it certainly helps in terms of spontaneous buying. Most people, because it's so easy to just tap buy, will buy books. I know I have more books on my iPad than uh, I would have thought that I might have uh, bought uh, when I first got my iPad. I have a lot of books at home that I haven't read yet, but I have a lot also on my iPad because it looked good, and so I just bought it. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, 
ebook sales continue to rise and because ebook readers are often uh, spontaneous types who will just decide to to get it because it looks good. Great. Uh, I'd like to uh, close the show with a question about uh, what do you think are the key ingredients for success in someone who's going out for self-publishing their work? Well, uh, I think you need to uh, have a good work, <laughs> but I, uh, if you're going to self-publish it, you should have it edited uh, or uh, take care that it's presented clearly. You should have a very good cover because people do judge books by their covers when they're trying to notice something online if they're, if they're deciding what to buy. You should have a good web presence with a website because if you're doing it digitally, you want people perhaps to see another aspect of you and maybe you want to introduce your first chapter on the website. You want to have a good, a good digital presence. And it doesn't take much. You know, it, it's easy to start a website um, and a blog site. And, 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 and there are a lot of programs for that. But you want, to, you want to present your book in the most professional way possible. And there are services that will help you do that that aren't that expensive. But, but if somebody's going to pay money for your book, you want it to look professional. All sound advice. And uh, I want to give you the opportunity to, to plug your own uh, websites and uh, Twitter handle and uh, anything you'd like to at this point. Well, you can find me at RJ Hughes 2 on Twitter. Uh, I blog for BeneathTheCover.com on, on, the, uh, on the publishing industry. And uh, I also write for Artslant.com and ClassicalTV.com. And you can find me at robertjhughes.com, uh, which will be relaunching uh, when, when, I, when my new book, The Rectory, comes out in a, in a couple of months. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you on behalf of Irene, who couldn't make it. I know she's going to be sorry already <laughs> that she missed it. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. This has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, everything you ever wanted to know about Book Expo America, but didn't know who to ask, with special guest Sheila Ruth. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to Info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan, filling in for Irene Watson. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening. 